0: What's going on Vinyl Community? You are listening to The Record Spinner here on Vinyl Community Podcasts and welcome to another episode of a series that I am hosting exclusively here on the podcast called Current Rotations, where I share all of the records that I have been spinning as of lately. And in today's episode... I'm going to be talking about some birthday wax so recently on September 13th I celebrated another birthday the big 26 uh, the ongoing joke that I have been making is that the quarter life crisis of turning 25 isn't over now it's time to shop for some life insurance at 26 and when it comes to us vinyl collectors having birthdays of course it's an excuse for us to treat ourselves because just a quote my favorite band of all time kiss in the song lick it up it ain't a crime to be good to yourself but also it's a prime time to receive uh, records in the form of gifts. So this episode is going to be focusing on the records that I had accumulated in celebration of my 26th birthday. So without further ado, let's dig into some birthday wax. So first, I'm going to be focusing in on some VCLT that my good friend Emma over at 8 Vinyl Low sent my way. Of course, if you all know, uh, myself, Emma, along with Mariken at Mariken's Music and Jenna at Spins and Needles over on YouTube, we dub ourselves the youngest members of the VC. And when it comes down to birthdays and Christmas and such, uh, we always gift each other some wax. And she had sent some fantastic albums my way and albums by bands that I do not own in my vinyl collection so of course birthdays and such are a bit of a nice way to kind of open our ears to some fresh music and she certainly did so with the records that she had sent so one of the records that she sent me uh, is an album by a band called the new pornographers and it's an album called mass romantic and i gotta tell you if you love artists by the likes of beach boys cheap trick big star beatles and bowie you are going to love this album it's kind of like like a little bit of a melting pot of all those sounds and influences and while this album did come out in the early 2000s it just has a very sort of hip sort of rock revival kind of sound that kind of trailed alongside bands such as like The Strokes Kaiser Chiefs, Franz Ferdinand but it has more of a like a classic rock tinge to it and that is what I really enjoyed out of this record and uh, it's a cool um, pressing from Matador and it's part of the Matador revisionist Uh, history uh, series, uh, because this is actually not just the 20th anniversary pressing, but it's the 21st anniversary pressing, uh, which comes with a nice uh, printed insert with lyrics and um, uh, some liner notes and band photos. The album itself is pressed on red vinyl, and there's also a bonus 7-inch of various uh, B-sides and rarities. So if you are into some retro, modern sort of rock, uh, definitely check out the new Pornographer's Mass Romantic It sure was a delight to my ears. And Emma had also gifted me this record that... I have a feeling is going to make its way to every member of the Youngest Members group. I say that because she had been really talking this band up in recent months and then when can celebrated her birthday in August, she was gifted this album. And when I when I saw that, I was like, you know, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it made its way in my hands um, from Emma at some point down the line. And sure enough, that time had come. And this is a record by a relatively new band called The Midnight Callers. And the album is called Rather old humming heart and this is a solid piece of modern power pop and when you listen to these guys there is an obvious cheap trick influence there even down to some of the vocal nuances that are so reminiscent of robin zander and if you are a fan of emma's channel you know that she is the authority of all things cheap trick they are her favorite band she always talks them up in hell it's thanks to her love for cheap trick that kind of heightened my love for cheap trick a little bit so there's a definite influence there and um it's just absolutely sensational from top to bottom so i'm very gracious and thankful for emma for sending uh these records my way and um kind of enriching my ears a little bit with some newer stuff that i perhaps wouldn't have encountered on my own and if you listening out there aren't familiar with the midnight callers as well as the new pornographers check them out for yourself Next up, I'm going to focus in on some records that were gifted to me by my godmother, and let's just say I am further beefing up, and I am almost done completing my Beach Boys Analog Productions collection. Um, The Beach Boys line on Analog Productions definitely set a sort of benchmark for how a reissue series should be done by using the original master tapes or best sources possible, pressed on 180 to 200 gram vinyl cut by Kevin Gray, housed in glossy tip-on jackets. They are absolutely beautiful and by far perhaps the best-sounding Beach Boys records you could get your hands on. And um, there were a couple holes in my... um collection of that um line of reissues so i was able to fill in a gap by receiving surfing usa band's second album still very much in the sort of you know surf rock kind of vein interestingly enough i mean with the exception of you know tracks like surfing usa farmer starter there's also a lot of cool instrumentals such as their take on a uh, dickdale's um uh, misserloo and a few others on the b-side but even a track like uh, lonely sea really shows brian will and coming more into his own and writing a sort of very introspective style song that would further be refined with things that would come very soon on, basically, with things such as In My Room and everything that he would kind of pursue on albums like Beach Boys Today, Pet Sounds, etc. Um, now, I did opt for the, uh, the mono mix which is exactly how brian wilson and the beach boys intended it to sound and there have been cases where analog productions will do both mono and stereo versions of certain albums but the thing with the stereo versions is that they are using mixes that were done relatively recent and by recent as in like you know going into like the early 2000s and such um which is fine because what they typically do is because those mixes are done in the digital um chain uh they will then transfer those to a tape and then use that tape to cut the lacquers so it's still technically analog but still has some digital on there but let's face it a modern stereo mix is going to be far better than um using a duophonic stereo mix or sometimes they will use the original stereo mixes and sometimes they're a little wonky just down to how primitive the recording style was at the time but anyway stereo versus mono of beach boys stuff is a rabbit hole that's much worse than the beatles catalog but i was very happy to get my hands on surfing usa and uh, fill a gap in my beach boys vinyl collection and the other beach boys record that my godmother had gifted me was a Beach Boys album that I already had in my collection, albeit two copies, stereo and mono. But I had to jump the big guns at some point. Pet Sounds, 2LP, 45 RPM, but... The stereo mix. Now, analog Productions had done both mono and stereo versions of pet sounds. Of course, single LP 33 and a third, two LP45 rpm, and of course, the mono versions used the original mono tape, which sure would have been the most essential way to experience that album aside from you know, maybe an original clean pressing, which is probably going to be very hard to come by. And then as for a vintage stereo, it's duophonic, and it's absolute trash. Now, the stereo mix of Pet Sounds that we all know and love was done back around 1996 uh, when it was done exclusively for the Pet Sounds Sessions box set, which brought together a lot of various outtakes, um, acapella tracks, um, instrumentals, as well as the new stereo mix. Now, here is a little bit of minutiae, and this is what I was talking about with the rabbit hole of... Um, Beach Boys mono versus stereo mixes the stereo mix of wouldn't it be nice on the 96 box um the bridge has Brian Wilson singing the lead now on the original album it was Mike Love singing the lead flash forward to 2001 there was another stereo mix done of that particular track which reinstates Mike Love's vocal track and upon listening to the uh stereo 2lp pressing that I got um Like, I kind of was like, all right, what am I going to come to expect? And sure enough, it's just those little minor bits of detail that I love so much when it comes to comparing, and sure enough, it was the Mike Love vocal track as it appeared on the original album. And the reason why I opted for the stereo version is just down to the intricacy of the arrangements particularly on an album like pet sounds where it was the beach boys at their most mature and brian wilson had a fine-tuned ear with putting together arrangements to be executed by the best session players at the time in the 60s of course known as the wrecking crew that played on all the phil specter records so to hear a record As cinematic as PET sounds in stereo, I think, is the default way. Of course... The the original mono will always be the basis of comparison. You always have to respect it. But I personally like the stereo. And this is one of those cases where um, the stereo mix obviously was done in 96, early 2000s. So done digitally. They transfer that to tape. And that tape was the basis for both the 33 and a third single LP and the 2 LP 45 RPM edition. And I got to tell you, the bass on here is absolutely phenomenal, wide sided sound stage so much clarity it is just superb so either way you go i mean obviously you know 33 and a third is going to sound decent from whichever source original monotape or the uh, stereo mix transferred but 2 lp 45 rpm has that charm and i gotta say it's probably the to Myers at least essential way to experience pet sounds And last but not least, I'm going to focus in on some records that I picked up over at my favorite record store, and that's Sky Valley Records in Somerdale. Um, I was aware that these records came in stock um, at the shop, and honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that I was celebrating my birthday around the time that I picked these up, I probably would have waited longer to snag them. But then again, that does run the risk of them selling out and never seeing them again, so better late than never. And uh, because it was also around the time of my birthday, uh, Chuck, the owner of the shop, who was a fantastic, well-rounded dude, um, gave me a good discount on them, which is pretty solid. And coincidentally, I'm just now noticing these are both uh, releases that came out in 1994. And the pressings that I picked up are unofficial pressings bootlegs as most people wrongfully call them, imports as is kind of the more generous term to not make them sound as, um, as I guess ill-willed as unofficial, but They are what they are. And if you're a collector of these kind of pressings, you know exactly what has kind of been making the rounds as of lately, as of recording this episode. So one of the imports that I picked up was Aerosmith Big Ones. Been on a little bit of an Aerosmith kick lately uh, because um, I got a great response out of my unboxing of the 4LP Greatest Hits box set that came out recently. And they just kicked off um, their farewell tour to only have it be kind of pulled since uh, Steven Tyler has been having some vocal issues and I'm also kicking myself because the tour kicked off in Philadelphia and Philadelphia is only about an hour away from me and I could have copped a ticket on the day of the show for about a little over a hundred bucks behind the stage and that wasn't realizing that it was like a not in the round stage but you know they would kind of there was like a catwalk behind the stage where they would kind of walk around and you know play for the crowd that's behind the main audience so and also the setlist too like Adam's Apple rats in the cellar like come on like where else do you hear deep cuts like that but anyways so i've been on an aerosmith kick and i saw big ones got an unofficial treatment and uh, i figured i would pick it up for myself now big ones uh mainly focuses in on the sort of mtv hits that they had while they were signed to geffen records so it has a lot of cuts from uh permanent vacation Pump, Get a Grip, along with a couple of newer tracks such as Walk on Water, Blind Man, as well as uh, Deuces Are Wild, which is from the Beavis and Butthead Experience album. Um, This compilation did get a pressing back in 1994. It was only released in Europe, which a lot of people corrected me because I said that Big Ones never got a vinyl pressing. Little did I know can't always be right every time. So when I saw that um, at Sky Valley, I was like, you know what? This is an omen. So I copped it. It comes pressed on white vinyl with some cool custom center labels, and it sounds pretty decent, and it's a fun listen, because it's literally just all of the main bangers basically from that sort of mtv you know period of theirs last but not least like i said another release from 1994 given the unofficial pressing treatment and that is no quarter jimmy page and robert plant unleaded so of course page and plant from led zeppelin got back together in the early to mid 90s and had put out a couple of albums together and most notably this one just has a lot of re-renderings of classic zeppelin material Mostly done with like a sort of Middle Eastern kind of twang to it. Uh, so we have tracks like Nobody's Fault, Thank You, of course, No Quarter, Friends, Battle of Evermore. Uh, some of these stem from an unplugged appearance that they had conducted. And there's also a couple of newer tracks that they have written specifically for this project, uh, such as uh, Yala, uh, City Don't Cry, and Wonderful One. Uh, very much in the Middle Eastern kind of vein. And it kind of does mesh well with the um with within the Zeppelin mold, it's kind of a shame that John Paul Jones was not included in this reunion uh but it's an absolutely interesting listen if you love Led Zeppelin and you have an attachment to those original recordings that it's cool to kind of hear a sort of modern then modern I should say rendering of it and um it's absolutely solid stuff, and it's funny because shortly after I picked up this unofficial press um there was a cop an actual um original copy of the album that came in at the uh, record store that I work at so it's kind of funny how things kind of catch up to me but uh but it's absolutely a fun listen and it comes pressed on sort of marble tan colored vinyl so it does match the color scheme a little bit of the album cover and um it's really good stuff check it out for yourself so there you guys go that is yet another episode of current rotations a series that i the record spinner am exclusively hosting here on vinyl community podcasts see you guys in the next episode and most importantly keep the record spinning